Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Going in our series dealing with the book of Hebrews, 22 through 28. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but unto heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Let us unite together in prayer. Our Father, we are thankful that we have a church to which we can come and hear fellowship and worship you. But above all, we thank you for Jesus Christ without whose blood we would not have forgiveness of sin, without whose sacrifice we could not have security, without whose life we could never see God. We thank you, Lord, that you have made possible our salvation. We would continue to pray for those who are not saved, that they might indeed see the need of having their sins forgiven and their hearts and souls made secure for eternity. Bless us this morning as we fellowship and worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You will keep your Bible open there, but turn with me to some other verses I want to read. First of all, from the book of Leviticus. Back in the Old Testament, the third book of the Old Testament, chapter 17. Just one verse, chapter 17, verse 11. If you do not have this verse marked in your Bible and you don't object to marking in your Bible, I think you ought to mark it. It's one of the most important verses in all the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it 
to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. I hope that will sink in. It is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. All right, go to New Testament, Matthew. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Matthew 26, 28 is spoken by Jesus at the time he was having the Last Supper with his disciples. Matthew 26, 28, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Again, notice, blood shed for remission of sins. Now go to Ephesians. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter one, verse seven. Chapter one, verse seven of Ephesians, yes. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Again, notice, redemption through blood for forgiveness. Then turn over to Colossians. Just move over Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Verse, or chapter 1, verse 14. Colossians 1, 14. Notice this verse. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And again, the verse says forgiveness, redemption, through blood. Now I ask you to look at those and read them to, to emphasize the importance of what was said here in Hebrews that we read, and we'll go back to it. Verse 22 of Hebrews 9, where our text is, and the latter, well, let me read the whole verse again when it says almost all things, and I'm going to emphasize almost here in a moment, almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Now, stop right there a moment. Don't lose it. The word almost would indicate there are some other possible ways of cleansing some things. In the Old Testament, you will discover that when uh, the priest system was established and Aaron and his sons were chosen to be the first priests, 
one of the first things that they had to do was physically clean themselves up with water. They took a bath. They put on clean clothes. And we have that little phrase that we use all the time, that cleanliness is next to godliness. It's even emphasized that way in the scripture. It is important for one to be physically clean. And uh, in, in the process of setting aside the priests for their service, they were to give themselves an external cleansing. Now there is a, that was done by water. There is another process that the Lord will use someday to purify and to cleanse, and that's by fire. This whole world will be, will be purged, will be cleansed by fire, and all of the corruption that man has created will be destroyed. So we've said that there are certain ways of cleansing certain things with water. There are some other things with fire. But when it comes to cleansing for sin, there is only one process that God has established, and that is the shed blood of some animal or man must be poured out. In the Old Testament, it was the blood of animals that was shed. And that was the old covenant. In the new covenant that we have begun to talk about now in this series, we discover there's only one way to have sins forgiven, and that is by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He made no other provision. We talked a little bit very well in our Sunday school class this morning. It was a good lesson about uh, such things, and that is many people want to, with their mind, deceive themselves into thinking that one can be saved because he's a member of a church, or that he prays, or that he's baptized, and on and on we can go. And all of that is, is deception. The devil is saying to people, you don't have to accept Christ to to have God take you into heaven. All you got to do is be good and moral and upright and honest. But the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, God will not forgive our sins. And that's all there is to it. Go back in your memory a little bit to the time in Egypt when the Hebrew people were about ready to leave Egypt. Three million of them were about ready to march out of Egypt, cross the Red Sea, and go over into the Promised Land. And God instructed Moses to instruct the people that on the night that they were to leave, they were to take a lamb, they were to kill it, and they were to roast that lamb and eat the lamb in their homes, but over the doors of their home, on the doorpost, they were to smear the blood of that lamb. Because during that night, God was going to send an angel to earth. That angel was called the death angel. He was going to pass over Egypt, and therefore is where we get the word the Passover. He was going to pass over Egypt, and he was going to look at every house in Egypt. Every house that night would be visited. And what that angel would be looking for was blood on the doorposts. If the blood was there, he would pass over that house. 
Leave it alone. But if there was no blood on the doorposts of the house, he was going to strike death in every house. Death in every family, even to the livestock. The firstborn would die that night unless they were inside a house that had blood on it from that particular lamb. And the scripture says, the Lord said, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But why did God select this process? I was asked that question just recently, and so I want to answer it publicly this morning because I think it's important. It was an extremely important question. A question that we need an answer to. And we need all of us to understand in our mind, why did God select such a process? You're going to have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, innocent, sinless, perfect, lived in a garden that God had selected. They didn't wear clothes. They weren't embarrassed because they did not perceive of the body of the other as being anything to be ashamed of and not to be looked at. And then Satan comes into the picture and causes them to sin by eating of the tree that had been forbidden. And in the process of disobedience to God, they sinned, and suddenly they looked at each other in a different way. Now they were ashamed of themselves and sought to cover their nakedness. So they went out and found some leaves. And we have the fig leaf thing. They made little aprons of fig leaves and tied around their waist to cover their nakedness before they were ashamed to see each other. Then they hid from God or tried to hide from him only to discover they could not. And they came from out behind the bushes with their heads hung low, their little aprons on, and they held their head down and said, we knew that you were coming and we were afraid and we hid. Because of their sin, God had to cover their nakedness. God killed an animal. We're not told what one. He took the skin of that animal and he made coverings, clothing, to cover the shameness, the nakedness, the godlessness of Adam and Eve. The first sin was covered by blood. An animal had to die to cover up. Listen, our sins must be covered. We cannot go into the presence of God exposing our sin any more than Adam and Eve felt comfortable in the presence of God in exposing their nakedness even to each other. Our sins must be covered. 
And God said, the way I'm going to establish it, which was Leviticus 17.11, the first verse we read, is that it will be through the shedding of blood that your sins will be covered. See, you and I can go into the presence of God not because we have not sinned, but because our sins have been covered. Jesus Christ covered our sins with his own blood and body. So we can get into the presence of God. So why did God do it? The answer is because God said it. It has to be so. And that's the end of it. It was blood that he required. A sacrifice that he required. Now, look at verse 24. It says Jesus did not enter the holy of holies in the temple when he made his sacrifice. Can you see that in that statement? Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. Jesus did not go into the holy of holies behind the huge veil when he made his sacrifice. Where did he go? Into heaven itself. Jesus went into the very presence of God, carrying there the blood that he sprinkled on the altar before Almighty God that will cover my sin and your sin. Just like the high priest went in there every year to sprinkle blood that God would accept as a covering for the sins of the people of the Old Testament days. He went into heaven itself to do what? To appear in the presence of God. Did I stop too quick? Are you following? I didn't go far enough. Into the presence of God for us. He went there for you and for me. He went into the presence of God to present his sacrifice to God and ask God to accept it. And if God accepted his sacrifice, then he covered our sins. And bless you all, God accepted that sacrifice and said to his son, well done. So my sins and yours are covered by the sacrifice of Christ. Verse 25, not nor yet, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the holy place every year with blood of others. I'm going to say something here that if you don't follow, you're going to misquote me. I get misquoted every once in a while because somebody doesn't follow. I'm, I'm warning you, please follow what I'm saying. Okay? Don't stop short. Don't turn your minds off before I get done. If you do, you're not going to quote me right. 
First thing I want to say is that Jesus died only one time, and I'm not going to go through all that. There is only once that he died, and if a person does not accept that one sacrifice, there is no more. We have said that over and over and over again, and I believe it thoroughly. If you think you can be saved today and lost tomorrow, you're going to have to find another Christ tomorrow to save you the next day, and brother, there is no other Christ. He only died once, and that's what the scripture says. He died once. He did not go in there more than once. But let me, here's what I want you to notice. Well, let me read verse 25 and 6 together, and then I'll make my statement. 25, nor yet, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others, that is, blood for other people. For then must he often have suffered, notice that, if he could not do it only one time, then he would have often have to suffer from the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, what I want to say is, when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus the Messiah died. He is no more. I'm telling you, stay with me. Don't misquote me. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, Father, it is finished. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And the scripture says that he gave up the ghost. His head dropped down. The blood had drained from his body. His heart quit beating. He was a dead body on a cross. Dead. And the scripture tells us that he went from that cross to hell. Do you know why he went to hell? Because that's the penalty of sin. And he paid the penalty. See, the, the thing that will happen to any person that is not covered by the sacrifice of Christ is they will pay the penalty for themselves. And the penalty, the wages of death, is sin. The wages, I'm sorry, I quoted it backwards. Thank you, Carney. She looked at me odd and I knew something was wrong. The wages of sin is death. I'm glad somebody is awake and listening. The wages of sin is death. That's the wages of sin. Sin and die. That's all there is to it. You sin, you die. Only one exception. And that is if somebody would die in your place. And Jesus went to the cross to die in our place. He died for us. He suffered the penalty of sin for us. Can you imagine the condition of Jesus on the cross when he assumed, willingly assumed, the sins of every person in this world from Adam until the end of time? Was all heaped at one time upon him? He accepted them. The scripture says he became sin. He became sin. 
He was the very essence of sin. He was fully saturated with sin. Not of his own, but everybody else's. He willingly took that and paid the penalty of dying on a cross and going to hell. I say Jesus is dead. Jesus the Messiah is dead. Because the penalty of sin is death. And he paid the penalty. But you say, but he arose again. Yes, indeed he did. But let me tell you, when he came out of that grave, he didn't come out as the Messiah. He came out as the Lord. Now, did you follow me? The Jesus who died on the cross was the Messiah who came to die for sin. And he did that. The Jesus who came out of the grave was the Lord. He did not come back and take up a physical body. The scripture tells us that he had a body that looked physical, but it had properties and qualities like you and I know nothing about. People could feel him and touch him as he invited Thomas to do. He ate as, with his disciples on the shore. He even prepared the meal, had fish on the fire. But he was capable of appearing and disappearing and, and all kinds of things that we know nothing about. It's that kind of body that you and I are going to have someday, the same kind of body Jesus had. But what I'm telling you is we're not going to have the body of the Messiah like the Messiah. We're going to have the body like the Lord. Because the Messiah died. It was the Lord that came out of the grave and he will live forever and ever. Verse 27 and 28 and then I'll come back to that in just a moment. And it is appointed unto man once to die. A person only dies one time and after that the judgment. Now listen. There is no doubt in this world. You can read the scripture and you'll find it very, very firmly stated. When a person dies, there's judgment waiting. There are two judgments, however. There is a judgment for the saved and there's a judgment for the lost. Now, I do not believe that the scripture teaches there is a general judgment when everybody comes together and then they're sorted out from that point. The decision of our salvation is already made. If you're saved this morning, when you die, you're going to go to a judgment for reward. The decision of your salvation has already been made. It was made on the cross. When your sins were covered, the decision of your salvation was made. But the lost, the unsaved, those who have never accepted Jesus Christ have nothing left but also a judgment and that is a judgment of condemnation in which they will be sentenced by a righteous God to an eternal life in hell, in suffering, in pain, in agony. And that's described clearly all the way through the scripture. Now, it is appointed to man once to die and after he dies he's going to be judged. You're going to be judged to receive reward for your righteous life that you have lived upon earth as a Christian, or you're going to be judged uh, to, to be condemned. Now, 
Go on to verse 28. So, the word so means then we've got a parallel. As, as man is appointed once to die and you've got a judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them, those who uh, are covered by his blood, unto them that look for him shall he appear. Talking about the second coming. Who is looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? The unsaved? You better believe they're not. The, Lord, the unsaved of this world don't want to see the Lord Jesus. <coughs> if you're afraid to see Jesus and his coming, you better check your salvation level. Do you have it or don't you? A Christian will welcome and look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus. We may say we're in no, no hurry to go. As an old preacher friend of mine once said, I'm ready to go, but I'm no hurry to get started. And I think we could all fall into that category. But listen, when we see Jesus coming on the, on the faces and in the hearts of Christian people, there's going to be gladness. But on the faces and in the heart of the unsaved, there's going to be distress. Because they're going to see him as a different person than we see him. We as Christians are going to see him as our Savior, our Lord, the one who's going to usher us into heaven. Those who are not Christian are going to see him as the one who will condemn them. But I want you to notice the last phrase. We shall look for uh, we that look for him shall uh, shall he appear the second time and here's the phrase without sin unto salvation. Now let me explain what I believe that phrase means. You might want to look it up in some other translations. When he comes the second time, it's not to save anybody. It's over. His coming is to receive his children, his church. He's no longer coming to say, please believe in me, accept me. It's too late at that point in time. He has come, he will have received his church, and the lost are left. And I think that's exactly what that phrase is meaning. He's not coming back to win people to salvation. He did that his first time around. He's coming back as Lord and Master of this world. Shed blood is what it's all about. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life willingly on a cross because God said this is the way it's going to be. Be covered with blood or stand naked before God. Get your sins covered with the blood of Christ or stand condemned before God. Without the shedding of blood, we started out in verse 22. There is no remission. That is, there is no forgiveness of sin. May I ask you this morning, 
Are your sins covered? Is there something that has been draped over you that hides your naked sin like God put the skin of an animal over Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness. We all stand condemned before God until we're covered by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's all he'll accept. That's all. Now how do you get covered? You see, God did all of it except one thing. God made it so that you can accept it or you can reject it. And it's your choice and my choice. I accepted that sacrifice many long years ago and most of you did. I don't know if all of you have or not. If you have not, the only thing you need to do is see yourself as standing naked before God and ashamed and be willing to say to God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please save me and allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cover my sin. And God is faithful to do what he promised. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't do it. The church can't do it. Nobody can do it but the individual. If there is a decision this morning that you need to make, you're not saved and you want to be saved. You want the blood of Christ to cleanse you of your sins, to cover your sins. You need to do something. In your own heart and mind, you need to say, God, forgive me of my sins and save my soul. And then you need to put feet under it and come down this aisle and by your coming say, I am accepting that very thing you've been talking about. Why come down the aisle? You know why? Because God said, if you're ashamed of me and you don't want anybody to know about it on earth, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. That's what the Lord said. Show your unashamedness by just walking down the aisle and saying to a whole congregation of people, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I claim him as my Savior. And join with us who've already done it. If you want to become a part of this church, by any means, we accept members. We invite you to do so. Whatever your decision is, we can do it this morning. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.